Hi, you're listening to Ten Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. Today's paper is called "Those Who Control the Code Control the Rules: How Different Perspectives of Privacy Are Being Written Into the Code of Blockchain Systems," by Robin Renwick and Rob Gleiser, published in the Journal of Information Technology (JIT) in 2021. Well, welcome to my first podcast episode of 2021. It's been a while.、Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Jan Recker and Nick Berente. Who mentioned TMISP in their own podcast about IS research, and、uh, you can check out their podcast and some other similar podcasts linked in the homepage of TMISP.org. Today's paper is about a cryptocurrency called Monero. What's interesting about this paper, to, to start with a high-level perspective, it broadly takes this perspective that the design of technology does have inscribed into it social values, and that's an important thing to keep in mind, especially considering that these technologies are being developed right now, meaning that the people who are Thinking about how they want to develop it, well, they have their own social values, and depending on their attitudes towards certain trade-offs or social concerns, they're going to make their own judgments, and those judgments they make are being built into the fabric of the infrastructure, of the technology, of the code base. Monero is exemplary of this because, relative to other cryptocurrencies which already have strong ideological and political implications inscribed into them and certainly enacted in the way that we choose to use those cryptocurrencies, Monero is it's particularly like that because it is privacy focused relative to the Bitcoins and Ethereum's and the Litecoins and Dogecoins of the world. It explicitly is in that direction. But then, even then, the people in the social world of Monero have different views on what privacy means to them, and that's really the findings of this paper. The authors have familiarized themselves with the community of Monero. They've identified the different stakeholders, or they refer to the social worlds of Monero, and they've acquainted themselves thoroughly with how these different social worlds think about the issue of privacy. Identifying both commonalities and points of disagreement, and that's what they unpack in this paper. One of the first differences between how different groups think about this is when we compare the users, meaning people who buy and sell with Monero, and the protocol developers with. Uh, people who are what the authors describe as corporate architects. So I don't think they actually really go into detail about what makes someone a corporate architect. But I think what they mean is someone who works in a company looking at how to integrate this new cryptocurrency into their business model, into their value proposition. See that first group, the users and protocol developers. They tend to, at, at least as far as these authors could see from their interviews, they tend to see Monero as like a, a grand social revolution, part of the greater cryptocurrency revolution in a societal sense. In particular, what the authors pointed out is that some of them have so-called crypto anarchist perspectives. On the other hand, when we look at the corporate architects as well as the regulators from the government perspective, they also do see this as a revolution, but revolutionary in the sense that it's technologically revolutionary, or as the authors say on page twenty-two, at a practice level rather than at a value level. So it's revolutionary in that it's going to revolutionize how we do business. 
but I don't think they're quite as keen on the anarchy part. That latter group would actually say that regulation and government involvement is necessary and actually can help protect privacy. Pointing to things like the GDPR in the European Union, which of course is government regulation in favor of privacy, protecting individuals from organizations that would actually compromise privacy. The other point that the latter group makes is that actually if we're to treat Monero like money, then no matter how much we should respect privacy, we still probably don't want this to be used for criminal activity that's really bad for society. That's why, for example, there's concerns about Monero and money law wondering as the authors describe on page 25. How this will play out is also a point of difference. On, on one hand, because the cryptocurrency is being developed by private individuals all over the world, no one government can exert that much power into the development of the cryptocurrency. But on the other hand, as one of the people point out, interviewed on page 25, governments can sever the links between the cryptocurrency and the regulated world, whether that means the exchange between cryptocurrency and traditional currencies, or just like whether or not you can use these cryptocurrencies in every transactions. It's a fair point and governments still do exert quite a bit of power so, so there may be a bit of a clash between those competing worlds in that sense. Another concept related to privacy that the authors discover and would like to communicate to us as the readers is the difference between overseeing ordinary transactions and extraordinary transactions. Extraordinary really referring to the ones that are probably a little bit questionable sort of relating to the money laundering point. In terms of the ordinary everyday transactions, there seems to be actually pretty strong consensus between the users and developers, as well as the corporate architects and regulators, that it's okay to go out of your way to protect that privacy. When it comes to the extraordinary transactions, there is, of course, quite a bit of disagreement. On one hand, of course, regulators are very concerned about the so-called dirty money that it needs to be managed. On the other hand, if we think about a traditional coin minted by the central bank, any coin is equivalent to any other coin. Whether it's an old coin or a freshly minted coin, a $2 coin is worth $2, even if it's a bit old and faded. So that, that's the concept of fungibility, currently very commonly discussed among NFTs, non-fungible tokens. That's a different paper. Uh, but in, in this paper, fungibility is a problem in, in the sense that privacy ensures fungibility, meaning a traditional $2 coin doesn't really tell you where it's been and it, it's valued at $2 either way. And so the argument goes, if we are to allow Monero to have the property of fungibility, a $2 worth of Monero here or there should always be worth $2. And so we shouldn't be able to be too concerned with where the money has been. And that's going to be a point of contention by the looks of it going forward. To conclude, the big problem and the takeaway from this paper is that on one hand, you have the people who are actively involved in shaping what Monero is like, what the code base is like, how it works. And these people believe generally in the value of privacy and fungibility backed by privacy. On the other hand, you have the government and they are very keen to be involved, to regulate this, sometimes compromising privacy in order to, for example, protect against money laundering. The government is essentially standing back and waiting to see how it plays out. But the point that the authors make here is that actually, by doing that, they're actually excluding themselves from the decision-making process. The system is being developed now. And the people who are developing it have already made a judgment call about how they see privacy. As the authors point out, page 31, policy and code cannot be separated. 
So in other words, the code base is the policy. The policy is the code base and the code is being written and it's not like it's going to be easily altered once there's a consensus on how Monero operates. Unless you fork it to a different cryptocurrency altogether, that is just what Monero is going to be. And there will be people who invest in this and it's going to exist already. One alternative could be that the government and the regulators actually get involved in shaping what Monero is going to be like. But that's tricky. You're going to have to train up the regulators. But more difficult is you're actually going to have to persuade the existing community who are developing this thing to accept all these new government-backed developers. How are you going to persuade them? How are you going to foster trust? How are you going to make the developers want to include the changes that the government is proposing? And zooming out from the specific case of Monero, this is going to be a problem with a lot of these decentralized cryptocurrencies going forward. The developers are going to make their own judgment calls about what they think are the important human values being inscribed into the technology. There are all these social worlds that are often implicitly in conflict with one another. Sometimes they don't even seem to realize just how much this is the case. And that's what this paper reveals to us today. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this podcast is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod and generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about this podcast at www.tmisp.org and you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.